This is the Casper and Chris podcast. From News Talk KBOI, Boise. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday. Even though it said uh, we have a uh, cold front that blew through, it's still 50 degrees outside this morning. So it's uh, actually not too bad. And I, it, you have to remember, we're we're here in the middle of October already. So when you hear the weather forecast saying, "Hey, there's a cold front," uh, we're dropping down into the seventies. <laughs> you you, you got to think back. Well, that's not bad for October. We haven't seen oh, uh, these, our official first frost of the year yet. These harsh Idaho autumns. Yeah. Uh, this, once again, one of the best reasons, in my opinion. Uh, to live in Idaho is autumn weather. The autumn weather here mm-hmm. uh, with the leaves uh, starting to change. Just absolutely beautiful. One of the four best reasons. All throughout uh, Idaho. Just how gorgeous our falls are, how great the weather is. Um, for those of you who like, you know, four seasons, for those of you who don't, then there's lots of places that you that can live the, and you don't have to worry about autumn, the, spring, uh, uh, or winter. The hotel or the uh, landscaping company. Who's that? Four seasons. No, it's talking about the weather. Ah, okay. And the climate. Not a business. Okay. You may have missed that. I did. Yeah, I guess so. Went over your head. No. Um, I just sometimes uh, zone out oh, when you're talking. Got but, it. Uh, never mind. Got it. Maybe you should zone out right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, things we'll be talking about today, uh, the U.S. has uh, told 2,000 troops to prepare for deployment. For the Israeli uh, Hamas war, is that, ju- is that boots just on the ground, just in case, or are they going? Uh, it sounds like they're going. Mm. Now they have uh, said that they're going to be medical and support personnel. However, when you send the military, they don't go unarmed. And this is this is part of the thing we were talking about last week and earlier this week when it comes to boots on the ground. Granted, they're there for medical and support purposes. Um, what happens, though, if an attack happens and, say, a few hundred of those military people are injured and killed? Well, then what, what situation does that put the United States in then? Uh, a wartime situation? That's what I'm, that's what I'm afraid of. That's our first, our first people in Vietnam were advisors, you know. And that's what some I of mean, these they are. I mean, they were essentially soldiers, but they were there... Yeah called advisors yeah and that's what some of these are they're there they're there as advisors also that that's what i worry i'm not saying that it's gonna happen but that's that's what i'm worried about is if something happens because when you have people there you run that risk yeah. unfortunately uh also things we'll be talking about this morning donald trump gets told to shut the hell up by the judge by the judge you know. he didn't though he was at a, a rally last night, and uh, apparently a lot of his speech had to do with uh, how unfair it was to make him shut up. Uh, once again, and, and we'll get into this a little bit later, um, in, in specifics of what the judge says. And I mean, I'm not a judge, I'm not a lawyer, um, but there are his lawyers and other lawyers 
who are saying, gosh, this might go a little bit against the First Amendment. And I, and I get it. The First Amendment doesn't allow you just to say anything you want. Uh, it, it, it sort of does, but uh, there are exceptions, especially. Yeah, you can't, you can't put you somebody are, in danger. When you are in a, uh, a courtroom-type situation, the judge is in charge. Yeah, you can't make threats. But even with the judge in charge, it's like, does that? And that that's part of the reason why he will be, he said he will be appealing, is because this goes against his First Amendment rights, especially when he is, you know, making was, a run for president. It was funny because, you know, Trump has said that this whole thing is just uh, uh, Joe Biden trying to shut him up. And the um, judge essentially said, say anything you want to about Joe Biden. It doesn't matter. Just, you know, stop telling people the names of all these uh, uh, you know, court personnel and, and calling them crooked and things like that. Well, and he's also said he can't criticize the prosecution, he can't criticize the judge, can't criticize the uh, staff. Well, it's, it, the thing is, it, there's, there's, criticizing is one thing, simply you know, smashing or ruining somebody's reputation by calling them uh, corrupt and crooked. Uh, just because you don't like what they're doing is another. And there is no protection for that already. You don't have to have a gag order for that because you can be sued. Yeah, for slander. Now, yeah, for slander. I mean, there is no protection for slander. Um, the only protection is if it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, so there is protection against that already without a gag order. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, also, um one of, one of the things that in the presidential debates that Ron DeSantis said, and a lot of us thought was stupid, maybe it wasn't so stupid after all, based on some of the results. Um, I, I, I still think, in my opinion, not the smartest thing to say on your first day of office, you're going to invade Mexico. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, we're, how- probably, we're probably ultimately not going to invade Mexico. No, no. Um, but because of the mounting political pressure, um, one of the uh, cartels, one of the most powerful car- powerful cartels, has uh, said that they're going to stop making fentanyl. Well, where are we going to get it? Well, I mean, there's other cartels uh, that do it. Oh, okay. You know, it's not that fentanyl is going to go away, but this is the number one fentanyl supplier in the world so if you like to buy brand names that you're out of luck yeah you're you're just going to have to buy the generic version of exactly but it could be it could be a little bit harder or maybe even more expensive to get if what this cartel actually says is true and we'll talk about that all right those are some of the things we're talking about this morning. Keep in mind, our phone lines uh, are open at 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Oh, and I buried the lead. I buried the lead. Um, it's Tuesday. We still don't have a Speaker of the House. Oh, well, yeah. However, supposedly, maybe, allegedly, there's going to be possible vote sometime today whether or not it will be Jim Jordan. Now, he is the one, he officially has gone through the process and has been put forward. He did 
you know, get enough votes in the uh, behind the doors voting with the Republicans mm-hmm. now to be put forward for a vote in the House. That hasn't happened yet, but supposedly, maybe, allegedly, possibly, it could happen <laughs> today. So you're saying there's a I'm chance. I'm saying there's a chance that maybe a little bit of a chance, a little bit, that it might happen uh, sometime today. It sounds like, in just reading late last night as I was, uh, you know, going through stuff for the show, it, it sounds like because right now um, they're going through and they're trying to pressure all the people, the uh, Republicans that mm-hmm. said they weren't going to vote for him to vote for him. They're trying to re- pressure en- enough people. In other words, everybody except for four, <laughs> they have to have <laughs> vote if they want to uh, right. have a new Speaker of the House. Um, and they said last night, I. I, I I was reading that they are getting very close. They don't have the full 217 votes as of yet needed, but they said they have a lot more than they did yesterday. And we told you yesterday um, that there were, what, 50-some-odd votes short right? at at that time based on their count. So uh, we'll see if we get a little bit closer today. Those are some of the things coming up. Phone lines are open, 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. If you want to get through, email Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. Speaking of Chris, time for our first check on what's going on with sports this morning. It's brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. Good friends there already. Even though they're not open, making their deliciousness from scratch as they do every single day. Get in for breakfast today. They open up in 45 minutes in downtown Cuna. It's the Pork Belly. Boise State's next home football game isn't until Saturday, October 28th, when the Broncos host Wyoming. Monday, the starting time and television network for that game were announced by the Mountain West Conference. Kickoff is set for 3.30 p.m., and the game will be shown on Fox Sports 2. Boise State is 3-4 and four overall and 1-2 and two in conference. The Cowboys are 5-2 and two overall and also... Uh, or they are 2-1 and one in the uh, Mountain West. Each team is uh, coming off a loss, the Broncos to Colorado State and Wyoming to uh, Air Force. All-time Boise State and the Cowboys have played 17 times, and Boise State has won 16 of those. The only Wyoming win in the series came in 2016 when Josh Allen, now of the Buffalo Bills, was the Cowboys quarterback. On Monday Night Football, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Los Angeles Chargers 2017. The game was advertised to be an offensive duel between Chargers offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, the former Boise State quarterback, and Dallas head coach Mike McCarthy. Moore was the Cowboys offensive coordinator for four years before McCarthy decided to take back play-calling duties this season instead of the offensive duel. However, the game featured nine punts, 20 penalties, and a turnover on downs for each team. Brandon Aubrey kicked the go-ahead 39-yard field goal for the Cowboys in the fourth quarter, and Dallas sealed it with a, with a uh, Stephon Gilmore interception off Los Angeles quarterback Justin Herbert. The Chargers are now 2-3, and three, the Cowboys 4-2. and two. That's sports. Download the KBOI radio app for free for your Android or Apple device. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Stock market had a uh, very good day yesterday. Uh, the Dow uh, went back up over 34,000 yesterday, um, continuing our last oh five seven days uh, of good stock market uh, movement. However, this morning, futures down across all three of the indexes. Dow down 
now about 60 points. We'll be checking in with Jeremiah Bates. Uh, big week for uh, earnings reports. Some of the big companies are going to be earning, uh, making their announcements on earnings this week. Uh, we'll see if that's affecting it this morning. As of right now, though, all three of the indexes, their futures are down. Um, here's a little bit of good news for you if you need some dental work. If you or someone you know could benefit from dental work but you can't afford it, Mark these dates on your calendar. Uh, Ustick Dental in Boise having its annual free dental day on Friday, November 3rd from 4 to 7 p.m. Free, really? Free. During the event, patients can receive a free dental cleaning or tooth extraction. Anyone 18 years and older is welcome to sign up. There are no other requirements. That's it. Now, registration begins today, October 17th. Eustick Dental's websites. Appointments will be scheduled on a first-come, first-served basis. My guess is if it's free dental work, there's going to be a lot of people. And like I said, it's limited time, November 3rd from 4 until 7 o'clock. But mm-hmm. you're getting forewarned right now that today is the first day to sign up on uh, Eustick Dental's website. If you need more information, you can also call 208-375-8720. But if you're wanting to get your tooth looked at, your one left leftover tooth, and you don't <laughs> want to lose that, here's here's your chance to get some free dental work done. Once again, the phone number to call if you need more information, 208-375-8720. Once again, phone lines are open, as they usually are. Always encouraged to take part in the uh, show this morning. Toll-free, 1-800-529-5264, wherever you may be listening, 208-336-3700. It's also uh, our... Text line number, Snake River Pool and Spa, text line number, and uh, you can email also. Chris at KBY.com, Mike at KBY.com. Unsisting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBY. 208-336-3700, pound 670. Verizon Wireless, if you want to be a part of the show, always encouraged. Chris at KBY.com, Mike at KBY.com. Those are our emails. Nate at KBOI.com is also an email to rate member if you want to be a part of Toys for Tots this year with KBOI. Idaho's largest toy drive. It's that time of season. It's brought to you by Idaho Central Credit Union, Scandinavian Design, Weathertight Roofing, and Kendall Auto Group. Kicks off once again Black Friday, November 24th. It's going to be going through Tuesday, December 5th at the Sportsman's Warehouse in Meridian. And, of course, News Talk KBUI, everybody here inviting you to help us and the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve to bring a Merry Christmas to kids from all around southwestern Idaho, including into Elko, Nevada, and Baker City, Oregon. Uh, if you or your club, your HOA, anybody, you want to take part of this, you just want to get a group of people together and uh, get involved. We encourage that type of thing. And now is a good time to uh, go ahead and do that. Because you have plenty of time to start gathering toys. Some people have already started gathering toys. We know for a fact that V-Cut in Nampa was the official kickoff to the toy drive this year. They have uh, been somebody who has gathered up toys since the beginning, since they started. And they are doing it again this year. And this is kind of an example of something that you can do as a business. V-Cut in Nampa through... The 5th of December, every time you come in, not just that t- that weekend that Nate and I were there, that Friday that Nate and I were there for the uh, V-Cut Smoke Fest, every time you come into V-Cut, if you bring a new unwrapped toy, you get a free beer. Mm-hmm. Can you, like, bring in a toy and 
have your beer and then walk around the block and come back in with another toy? If they don't catch you, I would say yes. Yeah, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Every time you come in, you get a free beer if you bring a toy. Now, I know a lot of you are probably thinking, yeah, they're probably going to give me a natty light. No, it's your choice. Whatever they have on tap, whatever they serve, you get your choice of whatever beer you want. What a great deal. It's a win for everybody. It's a win because you get to go and have some fun at V-Cut. It's a win for V-Cut because you get to come on in and uh, hopefully purchase some things while you're there. And it's a win for the kids. And that's what it's all about, the kids. So if you are... (laughs) Won't somebody please think of the children? (laughs) If you are interested, um, we have boxes, I think, uh, Nate, Picked up 64 boxes so far, and there's still wow. more boxes waiting uh, at the base. But 64 boxes are sitting here in our building. So if you you want a box and you want to take part of this and you want to start gathering toys, get a hold of Santa Nate today. His email, nate at kboi.com. Uh, you can take part. Also, a special thank you to some of our sponsors um, that are taking place in this. Bish's RV, which, by the way, every year gives us uh, a RV so that... We're not out in the elements to broadcast our show live. Chris and I, of course, oh, will be doing our man. show live there every year. We so appreciate oh, that. Oh, man, no kidding. Because you were here the first year where there was not right. a recreational vehicle. And, right. and fro- froze and, your and it was just, jingle bells it, off. It was just cold. Yeah. Also, thanks to uh, TDS Fiber, Idaho Marine, Canyon Marine, and uh, CBS2, our media partner for this. It's all going on, once again, November 24th through December 5th. It's KBOI Toys for Tots Toy Drives. Be a part of it. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 641, it is uh, 49 degrees now in uh, downtown Boise. Taylor Swift's uh, Eras movie failed to break $100 million for the weekend. Uh, and pfft, I don't know how she's going to go on with life, only uh, making about $97 million. Hmm. Poor her. I had heard 128 mil, but maybe that well, that's was... that's uh, worldwide. Worldwide, yeah, yeah. that was worldwide. The interesting thing about this, um, and I kudos... Wish, I wish you could catch a break. <laughs> I know. Kudos to Taylor Swift. Uh, she could make a lot more money, but she refuses to allow the movie... To be shown anytime except for the weekends. How crazy is that? You ever heard of anything like that before? Uh, so you can't go see it on a Tuesday night? Can't go see it on a Tuesday night. Why? Because kids have homework. Well, okay. What about adults? They should be home with their kids. What about single people? Um, then they can go on the weekend. Yeah, she, oh, okay, she, then. she's not allowing her movie to be shown during the week because uh, she knows that a lot of kids want to see the movie and she doesn't want them uh, missing out on schoolwork time. Mm. So if you're going to see the movie again, I guess you're, you're going to have to wait until I the guess, upcoming weekend. I, decisions like that make sense, I guess, if everybody in the entire world had the same schedule, which they don't. No. Uh, and here's the crazy part. Um, you know, if Taylor Swift hadn't just made about a bazillion dollars on her latest tour. Mm-hmm. You know, if she was hurting for money, maybe she wouldn't be doing this. If, but she is if not in Taylor any way, Swift shape, or form. hurting for money, it would be opposite day. Yeah. Because um, she made so much 
so much money. I mean, she gave a hundred thousand dollar bonus to her bus drivers on mm-hmm. the tour. How'd you like to be you know, bus driver and all of a sudden not expecting it and you get a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account? Uh, I'd like that being a bus driver or yeah. somebody else. Wouldn't like, that be cool? Like who I am now. Uh, also, um, remember we we talked about Caitlin Clark. She's mm-hmm. the uh, basketball women's basketball player from Iowa. Um, I have to admit, I don't watch any college women's basketball, but I did watch her last year just because of how amazing a shooter is, where she crosses over half-court line and she's open. Really? Even when she's double-teamed. So um, she's like the Steph Curry of women's basketball. She is the Steph Curry. That's a great way to describe her. She is just amazing, um, her shot. And if you wonder how popular she is, University of Idaho, uh, Iowa just had a uh, preseason women's basketball game. They held it on the football field, put down a court on the football field. Guess how many people showed up to watch Caitlin Clark play? Keep in mind, this is preseason. Uh, 10,000. 55,646 fans showed up to watch a non-counting preseason Women's scrimmage, basketball. women's basketball scrimmage, yeah. Almost 56,000. Now, keep in mind, this is the other crazy part about this. The temperature for the game, 56 degrees with a 14-mile-an-hour <laughs> wind. Not ideal for, well, basketball. It's, it's okay for football, right? That's a good football. <laughs> That's just crazy. Not the very popularity. many basketball games are, are affected by wind. No, no. You've seen a few of them. Uh, what were the NBA basketball games that they played on mm-hmm. the um, uh, the uh, Carriers in San Diego? Remember that? Those were effect, uh, affected if there's a little bit of wind. 14-mile-an-hour wind, by the way. Um, I hate playing golf in a 14-mile-an-hour wind, and that's a little ball. Could you imagine how much uh, basketball gets affected by a 14-mile-an-hour oh, yeah. wind? Plus, how do you keep warm? 56 degrees, he I guess. Sh- he shoots from three, and it's in the stands. <laughs> That's crazy, the popularity. Um, my guess is you're not going to be able to get tickets to uh, Iowa women's basketball games this year, would be my guess based on that. Well, K- I've never been able to get them any other year either. So. KBY News Time, 645, time for another check on sports, brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. In game one of the National League Championship Series Monday, the Phillies got home runs from Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, and Nick Castellanos to beat the Diamondbacks 5-3 and take a one nothing series lead. Game 2 is tonight in Philadelphia at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Mountain Time. It'll be shown on TBS. In the American League Championship Series, the Rangers topped the Astros 5-4 to take a two-games-to-none lead. For Texas, it was their seventh straight playoff win this season. They uh, swept Tampa Bay in two games and Baltimore in three in the first two rounds. Game 3 for the American League Championship Series is Wednesday in Arlington. Boise State's next home football game isn't until Saturday, October 28th, when the Broncos host Wyoming. Monday, the starting time and television network for that game were announced by the Mountain West Conference. Kickoff is set for 3.30 p.m., and the game will be shown on Fox Sports 2. Boise State is 3-4 and four overall and 2-1 and one in conference. The Cowboys are 5-2 and two overall and also 2-1 and one in the Mountain West. Each team is coming off a loss. The Broncos to Colorado State and Wyoming to Air Force. All time, Boise State and the Cowboys have played 17 times, and Boise State has won 16 of those. The only Wyoming win in the series came in 2016 when Josh Allen, now of the Buffalo Bills, 
was the Cowboys quarterback. That's sports. Ben Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's time for the KBOI Medical Moment, brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho, featuring Dr. Dan Meltzer. Dr. Meltzer, good morning. Good morning. Doctor, it's uh, that time of year. We're starting to see uh, pumpkins everywhere across the Treasure Valley. Now, while most may be destined to become jack-o'-lanterns, nutrition and other experts are reminding us that they're much more than a seasonal decoration. Can you expand on that for us? Yeah, as much as we all appreciate a, a carved pumpkin this time of year, you know, real pumpkin itself is actually a remarkably versatile food and even flavor enhancer, enhancer that offers real health benefits. Um, It's a squash and it's packed with vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, which make it actually a healthy addition to any diet. Are there a couple of nutrition characteristics of pumpkins that stand out? Well, for starters, they're high in fiber, which really helps our digestive health. Pumpkin is also a good source of many immune-supporting nutrients, things like vitamin C, zinc, and selenium. And then pumpkin is a natural source of many nutrients that support cardiovascular health, so things like potassium, calcium, and magnesium. So this almost sounds like you're saying we can eat all the pumpkin pie we want with a clear conscience. (laughs) I wish. I do love a good pumpkin pie. But um, things like maybe pumpkin soup or roasted pumpkin seeds are other ways, lower calorie options, if you will, for tapping into the wealth of healthy nutrients found in the great pumpkin. A number of adults hoping to get a better night's rest have turned to melatonin, believing it to be safe since it's a natural substance. But now we're hearing some parents are giving the sleep aid to their children who might be having problems getting the rest they need. Are there any issues or concerns with that approach? Well, providing melatonin to children, you know, might seem like a natural solution, but a recent American Academy of Sleep Medicine advisory warns us against this because the problem is melatonin is not regulated by the Federal Food and Drug Administration. So if you're a parent and you think that melatonin uh, works, what's the problem with the lack of regulation? Well, the problem is the lack of oversight just means that there's a lot of variability in how much melatonin may be in any sort of over-the-counter product. So there was a recent study earlier this year that it found that the amount of melatonin could be anywhere from half as much as advertised on the package to up to four times the amount. So what should parents looking to help their children sleep better do? You know, sleep hygiene is really the best thing we can do. So what does that mean? It means keeping a consistent routine and schedule. So to bed and waking up at the same time as much as possible, shutting off and putting away those blue light emitting devices, smartphone and tablets well before bedtime, ideally at least 60 minutes. And then wind down activities, things like reading a book, maybe taking a warm bath, listening to some calm music. Um, and certainly, you know, talk to your regular doctor about issues if sleep concerns continue and definitely before giving your child any over-the-counter supplements that is the kboi medical moment brought to you by regions blue shield of idaho dr dan Meltzer, thanks for joining us this morning on kboi thank you listen to kboi online go to kboi.com and click the listen live button now back to mike casper and chris walton this is casper and chris live and local on news talk kboi A secret ballot late last week showed 55 Republicans were unwilling to vote for Jim Jordan on the floor. Since then, the Freedom Caucus founder has been working to convince holdouts who worry he's too far to the right. 
He's been getting closer to the support he needs to win the gavel. But ABC News counts at least 10 Republicans who've said they won't vote for Jordan. Nebraska Congressman Don Bacon among them. Some of us will not just be walked over. Jordan can only afford to lose four fellow Republicans. He's hoping to prevail over successive rounds of votes. Stephen Portnoy, ABC News, Washington. There you go. Maybe possibly, could allegedly, <laughs> maybe have a vote today in the House for Speaker of the House. We might not not have a vote today. <laughs> Three weeks, heading into three weeks, and still has not been a uh, vote since Kevin McCarthy was uh, kicked out. Scale of one to ten. Mm-hmm. Ten being positive that it's going to happen. Where do you uh, put the speaker vote today? Okay. Not gonna, I mean, that's, uh, you're not going to be punished if you're wrong. I'm just curious what you think. Two. Two? Two, two, two and a half. I'd like to disagree with you, but I'm yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Three to four. Uh, heck, I, I'm going to put it even at just a five out of ten that they take a vote today, because I don't believe if if they sit there and line up how many votes that they have, they're probably going to say yeah. there's no reason for us to do an official vote. Because we're still 20 votes shorter. As you heard there, the the thought is that they're at least 10 votes right. short as of right now. And I think that's the reason, the whole reason why you have not sent a, seen a vote in the House as of yet. Because why waste the time voting if you know for a fact that you're not going to get the number Enough of votes, votes you need? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I'm right along with you. I, I put it at 50-50 that we see a vote in the House today. That's my personal opinion, and I'm right there around three to four out of ten Yeah, that we get a new House Speaker elected today. We'll see. As this goes on, uh, I have not seen an actual time yet. That's why That's why I'm like, okay, they're, they're iffy if there's even going to be a vote today because they haven't even announced when they will be getting together for an official vote, which tells you a lot right there by not saying anything, which you get a lot in politics anyway in Congress, right? Well, say I, a lot I, by not saying anything. I think they'll start at 1145 this morning, break for lunch at noon. <laughs> hey, it's not like they haven't done that before, right? Right. Uh, also, quickly before we get into sports, I, I had to talk about this because this is, it's kind of funny. Remember two weeks ago, everyone's cell phone blared with that emergency alert, nationwide alert, mm-hmm. in, interrupted meetings, lunches, uh, naps for some of us, uh, startled people. Not a big deal because, you know, basically it happened to everyone. Although it was not ideal for some people to have that go off because some people have secret phones. Oh, Yeah. Good like, grief. Like members of the Amish community. <laughs> <laughs> Busted. So there are reports going on now about how some Amish people are being shunned after the emergency alert outed their hidden cell phones. <laughs> how dare you pretend the world didn't have just the right amount of technology mm-hmm. in 1875? A uh, former Amish guy on TikTok says a few of his Amish friends are dealing with backlash because they had their phones on uh, vibrate or with the sound didn't have it on, the sound turned completely off. Didn't realize the alert would still make that loud sound. So even if you had your phone on, it still was going to make a sound. In some Amish communities, this might be just a minor offense, but in others. Um, you can be shunned, and it's significant, and could involve a difficult separation for the person uh, from the community. 
which includes their family. So it's like oh, was, when you get shunned, it's yeah. like you're shunned, but the rest of your family is shunned. So you leave. Get out. What was that, Jedediah? I didn't hear anything. <laughs> How crazy is that? I didn't even think about that, but yeah. Pay attention to your barn raising. So um, this is for all our Amish friends out there. Next time we have an alert, make sure turn your phone off. That's the only way to make sure that that alert how sound many, doesn't come out. How many Amish would you think are listening to the radio right now? Oh, I guess the might be number. The number might be the, around the, the, uh, the same number that five. have a, have a phone. <laughs> yeah. KBOI News Time seven fifteen. Pork belly's open. You want to start off your day great with a hot coffee. Iced coffee, energy drink, or even better, breakfast. Get into Pork Belly and Cuna. Open seven days a week, beginning at 7 a.m. On Monday Night Football, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Los Angeles Chargers 2017. The game was advertised to be an offensive duel between Chargers offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, the former Boise State quarterback, and Dallas head coach Mike McCarthy. Moore was the Cowboys' offensive coordinator for four years before McCarthy decided to take back play-calling duties this season. Instead of the offensive duel, however, the game featured nine punts, 20 penalties, and a turnover on downs for each team. Brandon Aubrey kicked the go-ahead 39-yard field goal for the Cowboys in the fourth quarter, and Dallas sealed it with a Stephon Gilmore interception off Los Angeles quarterback Justin Herbert. The Chargers are now 2-3, and three, the Cowboys 4-2. and two. In Game 1 of the National League Championship Series Monday, the Phillies got home runs from Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, and Nick Castellanos to beat the Diamondbacks 5-3 and take a one nothing series lead. Game 2 is tonight in Philadelphia at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Mountain Time. It will be shown on TBS. In the American League Championship Series, the Rangers topped the Astros 5-4 to take a two-games-to-none lead. For Texas, it was their seventh straight playoff win this season after they swept Tampa Bay and Baltimore in the first two rounds. Game three for the American League is Wednesday in Arlington. That's sports. Casper and Chris on Alexa. We are News Talk KBOI. Ahead uh, of the opening here in about eight minutes. The Dow uh, down 126 points. Uh, and this uh, all becomes because apparently uh, Americans still have money to spend. Do not bet against the U.S. consumer. And yeah, yesterday was a good day, but what comes up must come down. And this is another another chapter in the book titled "What is uh, What's Good News is Bad News." Yeah, right? good news for the economy, bad news for the market. And we're seeing that today in the retail sales report, which it just continues to show the resilience of the American consumer. And this is despite continuous month over month calls or predictions from economists that we are going to see a slowdown. And if we're looking at the report that was released, it shows that retail sales rose at a rate of 0.7% in the, in September from the previous month. That's more than double what Wall Street had anticipated. They were expecting about a 0.3% growth. Oh, by the way, you have the month of August, there was a revision to the upside. So August numbers were even higher than what was previously reported. So again, you have multiple calls that we're going to see the slowdown that there's that we could likely see a recession. But listen, the reality is this consumer spending has been one of the main key factors that has kept the U.S. out of the recession. And even though we're likely going to hear companies continuing to ring the bell that they're anticipating a slowdown, we certainly saw that being said in the previous quarter, second quarter's earning calls especially from these discretionary like retail sales companies. And yeah, true, maybe they've seen some certain pockets in certain categories, but we're just clearly not seeing it in these larger data sets. And 
again, what's interesting about this this number, this this release, is that it wasn't one outsized category that represented all the gains. Where in August we saw, you know, it was the gas stations, really the price of fuel going up, where that was the majority of the spending. This month, this previous month was pretty broad based. So it just begs the question again, how much longer? I mean, how, how much longer can the consumer withstand and keep spending? And from what we've seen right now, it, it, they're still strong, still have money, still spending true. I know that there's, that there is data out there that's showing that, um, you know, U.S. consumers, they are racking up a little bit higher credit card balances, which is could be a canary in a coal mine a bit, because especially when you're looking at interest rates at just historic highs, that may not bode well in the long run. Mm-hmm. But again, um, well, so we just got to see how that plays out. And then also I saw I read an interesting report last week that we're seeing a, um, a higher uptick in emergency or hardship withdrawals out of 401ks. So again, now how widespread is that yet to be seen? But overall, what the Federal Reserve, our central bank is looking at and what is a concern for investors is there's still a high demand because people still have money to spend, which in turn would lead the central bank to keep rates where they are, higher for longer. And that's why we're seeing that turmoil in the bond market, which is clearly uh, bleeding over into the equity market. All right. Once again, um, after being a good day yesterday, looking like uh, not maybe not so good today. We'll keep an eye on it, though. Um, we see wide swings a lot of times. But as of right now, uh, Dow is going to be opening uh, over 100 points to the downside uh, on the futures market. Uh, we'll get some updates throughout the day. Talk to you again tomorrow morning. Thanks, Jeremiah. Thanks, Jess. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. A secret ballot late last week showed 55 Republicans were unwilling to vote for Jim Jordan on the floor. Since then, the Freedom Caucus founder has been working to convince holdouts who worry he's too far to the right. He's been getting closer to the support he needs to win the gavel. But ABC News counts at least 10 Republicans who've said they won't vote for Jordan. Nebraska Congressman Don Bacon among them. Some of us will not just be walked over. Jordan can only afford to lose four fellow Republicans. He's hoping to prevail over successive rounds of votes. Stephen Portnoy, ABC News, Washington. So the uh, vote is maybe expected today? Mm -hmm. It was interesting they called it a secret vote last week. it really wasn't a secret to anybody. They did it behind closed doors, but then immediately talked about what happened. It is it is interesting to see that before this secret vote, I mean, as you mentioned, they talked about it as soon as they were yeah. out. Um, but for those people who were going in and to discuss this, talk about it, all the congressmen had to turn over their cell phones before they entered into the room. So apparently they didn't want any recording happening or tweeting out what was going on within mm-hmm. the meeting while it was happening. But of course, once they leave, you know they're going to they're talk about it. Right. But everybody had to turn over their cell phones before they entered the uh, room last week. So supposedly they they it sounds like they're going to do a vote later today. That's that's the expectation. However, still has been not been announced the time of when that might happen. As you just heard in that report right there, apparently they're at least. 10 Republicans who said that they will not support Jim Jordan, and at least six of those have to change their mind. If it, if it truly is just 10 so far that have not, out of the original 55, that have not come around, it, it's still 
they have to get six of those people to change their vote. They can only lose four people so, and still carry the vote. It's it's so weird how uh, how much a minority of people can affect these elections. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck gets me on uh, email, instant message, and we had asked this this morning, and you can weigh in with your thoughts too. Uh, Chuck says he'd put it at a nine out of ten that they elect. Jordan today. We had asked earlier this morning on a scale of one to ten, one being no chance or zero being no chance, um, nine being yeah, it's going to happen today. I said two. Yeah, I, and I said three to four. I said fifty fifty that we they'd even take a vote. So I kind of added an extra layer to that. I said it might be fifty fifty that they take the vote today because if they don't, if they know for a fact that they don't have enough votes, I, I don't think it's going to come up. Uh, but anyway, Chuck says he puts it at a nine, so he's he's sure that Jordan will be elected today. Your thoughts if you want to weigh in, 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Scale of 1 to 10. Do you think we will have a speaker by the end of today? Or will we be talking about this again tomorrow morning? Time for a final check on what's going on with sports. Once again, brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuda, the place to go. Breakfast, lunch, you want hot coffee, you want energy drinks, you want iced coffee. Don't forget, you don't even have to get out of your car to get that. They have the uh, Hip Drip Coffee drive through Opens every morning at 7 o'clock, too. Just make your order, drive through, get it, and you're on your way. Don't even have to get out of your car. Pork Belly, downtown Cuna. Boise State's next home football game isn't until Saturday, October 28th, when the Broncos host Wyoming. Monday, the starting time and television network for that game were announced by the Mountain West Conference. Kickoff is set for 3.30 p.m., and the game will be shown on Fox Sports 2. Boise State is 3-4 and four overall and 2-1 and one in conference. The Cowboys are 5-2 and two overall, also 2-1 and one in the Mountain West. Each team is coming off a loss, the Broncos to Colorado State and Wyoming to Air Force. All-time, Boise State and the Cowboys have played 17 times, and Boise State has won 16 of those. The only Wyoming win in the series came in 2016 when Josh Allen, now of the Buffalo Bills, was the Cowboys quarterback. On Monday Night Football, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Los Angeles Chargers 2017. The game was advertised to be an offensive duel between Chargers offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, the former Boise State quarterback, and Dallas head coach Mike McCarthy. Moore was the Cowboys offensive coordinator for four years before McCarthy decided to take back play-calling duties this season. Instead of the offensive duel, however, the game featured nine punts, 20 penalties and a turnover on downs for each team. Brandon Aubrey kicked the go-ahead 39-yard field goal for the Cowboys in the fourth quarter, and Dallas sealed it with a Stephon Gilmore interception off Los Angeles quarterback Justin Herbert. The Chargers are now 2-3, and three, the Cowboys 4-2. and two. That's sports. For your Google Play, simply say, Hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Obviously, he has been working overtime. He's been having these late-night meetings with Republicans. We know that he's also been working the phones, reaching out to some of the holdouts. He has made progress. He has been able to convince uh, several Republicans to support him. But right now, it's still not enough. By our count, there's at least 10 Republicans right now who say they will not support him. Remember, if all members are voting in present, he can only afford to lose four Republicans. Now, as we were talking about this this morning, we, we weren't even sure. They said that they planned on possibly voting today but within the last couple of minutes we do have an update on that story 
Jordan says with or without the votes, he is going to the floor today. And this is definitely an interesting strategy here. He's trying to put every single Republican on the record. Sure, he's getting some assurances behind closed doors on who's going to support him and who may not support him. But there's nothing like actually getting that vote tally on the House floor. So we're going to see a vote today. So if uh, Jordan doesn't win it today, um, will he hold out to like the 15th vote like McCarthy did? (laughs) Well, I mean, we have to elect a speaker. So, yeah, there's going to be more than one vote. I don't know how many it might take. I'm also curious, and this will be a question the next time we have, for instance, like Congressman Russ Fulcher on, mm-hmm. what what these negotiations look like. Are you just saying, hey, look, come on, this, I, I, I promise that I'm going to do this, this, or this, or is it, if you vote for me, I will give you this, yeah. allow you to do this. What what does that how, negotiation, how do you get those people is, to change their minds? How is one hand going to wash the other hand? Is it carrot um, stick or is it carrot <laughs> and uh, you, you also get some cauliflower to go with it? And other cliches as well. Uh, Evan of Boise says the smart thing for the Republican Party would be to get it done today. They need to elect a Speaker of the House immediately. So the House can get on with business and the Republican Party can seem at least a little bit organized and unified. So based on that urgency from one to ten, as far as having a vote for speaker today, I'll say three. Okay. Interesting. I thought he was going to say nine. (laughs) So apparently what he's He's saying is... He's right around where you and I are. What what he's saying is the smart thing would be to do it today. So uh, there's about a three in ten chance. Well, and if you look at the calendar... Today is October 17th. Government shuts down without an agreement or a continuing resolution on November 17th. So we have one month from today, and that hasn't even been taken up. Now, I I would say, in my opinion, there are people, Republicans, um, in Congress right now in the House of Representatives who don't care. They, they, They would go, oh... Really? We're going to go into December without a Speaker of the House? Wow, that means the government has to shut down, and we don't have to give the government any more money. So I, th- I think there are people, it's like, you know, at least quiet- quietly are thinking, who cares? Uh, Billy C. writes in, I, th- I think in uh, reference to um, uh, the wrestling career of Jim Jordan, he says, uh, three points, decision, four points, major decision, five points, tech fall, five points, disqualified, six points, injury default, six points, pin. I can't decide between tech fall or DQ. <laughs> Either way, five. Okay. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wires. If you want to email us, you can also do that, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Chances that you think, this is just your opinion, we have a new Speaker of the House by end of business today. Uh, Rex gets us, this is just a nice email. We don't very often get those, but Rex Rice says, I do love listening to you guys in this, this morning. Mm, Respectfully, thanks, Rex. Rex. Um, appreciate the nice thoughts. More importantly, I appreciate you listening every morning. Keep up the good work. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 806, good morning. Thanks for being a part of the show and listening in. Into the 8 o'clock hour we go. Phone lines are open at 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Almost we were going to talk a, a little bit about this this morning. The uh, Mexican uh, Sinaloa cartel has sent out a warning. Not to us, not to Americans, not to other cartels that they compete against. 
They've actually sent out a warning to their own members of their own cartel. Banners began appearing in the northern Mexico state of Sinaloa on Monday, signed by a faction of the Sinaloa cartel run by the sons of the infamous drug lord Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. The banners are claiming the cartel is now prohibiting the sale and production of fentanyl. The banners saying, you have been warned. Fentanyl has become a top priority in talks between the U.S. and Mexico because of thousands of overdose deaths. The DEA is offering a $10 million reward for the capture of El Chapo's sons. Alex Stone, EBC News. Wondering if uh, the political pressure, as they talk about there, might come in the form of the uh, warning from Ron DeSantis in uh, one of the uh, we were going to debates. Attack, yeah. attack Mexico because of fentanyl? Said on his first day, if elected, he would send troops into Mexico. Which, by the way, just for those of you listening this morning, don't know any better, that's called an invasion. It's called mm-hmm. a declaration of war when you send troops into another country without permission. And Mexico has already said they're yeah, not going to gonna retrieve, give permission. To retrieve that country's citizens, be they criminals or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that would be a uh, declaration of war. By the way, if you're wondering specifically what the billboards say, this is what the cartel put up. The sale, manufacture, transport, or any kind of business involving the substance known as fentanyl, including the sale of chemical products for its elaboration, is permanently banned. You have been warned. Sincerely yours, the Chapitos. That's the name of the uh, cartel, by the way. So that's not just like Spanish for chaps. No. Okay. Now, keep in mind, this was written in, in Spanish, so um, it, it wasn't an English banner. Uh, the about face by the uh, narco crew, which, by the way, is the main trafficker of de- deadly synthetic opioids that are flooding the U.S. market, comes as El Chapo's kids are bowing to a mounting law enforcement crackdown on the drug trade. Basically, the uh, Sinaloa cartel mm-hmm. has said if they catch any of their cartel members, their own members, manufacturing or doing anything having to do with fentanyl, they will be killed. Well, you know, since they put up signs, my guess is uh, they're not just talking about their own cartel members, but anybody. In other words, Mexico quit it. And it, and it could be, but their their warning went out to their own members. It's like, uh, hey, we're we're getting out of the business. What you know? This reminds me a little bit of the Godfather. Oh yeah, remember when they were like, we want to yeah, go, yeah, we want to go legitimate, yeah. so we're getting exactly. out of the drug business. We're getting out of all the. But it, I mean, even even the Godfather, the original Godfather, they wanted nothing to do with drugs. True, that was the, the one of the biggest. Uh, plot points of the first movie yeah the the other families shall we say yeah wanted to be in the drug business because it was so lucrative and they needed the uh corleones to finance the whole thing mm-hmm. because they had the most money but they didn't want to do and it. and they also had you know political protection from some of the politicians and, and the S- and salazzo the turk <laughs> so it is kind of interesting to draw the uh parallel there um because i mean it's not like drugs all of a sudden weren't profitable for the cartel and who knows maybe the cart maybe the cartel has a really good pr firm i mean they can't afford it. i mean if you you listen to the the way that that was written it was you know 
very well written. Maybe they have a good PR firm. They don't. They're still going to be selling, but they want to make it so seem like they're not selling it. They're anymore. a Mexican cartel, but they employ like foot cone and belding out of L.A. It's not like they don't have enough money to do it, right? Yeah, I suppose not. Who knows? I I, I mean, <laughs> I know I know for one thing. I would take it seriously if I was working for them and they said, knock it off or you're going to get killed. Yeah, I would pretty much not question any orders based on their you know, track record. Mm-hmm. But who knows? We, we will see if the uh, Sinaloa cartel continues selling fentanyl. Now, once again, keep in mind, they just mentioned fentanyl. It's not like they're getting out of the <laughs> yeah, opioid business. Yeah. Uh, sp- specifically, they, they're still going to be making a lot of money selling the okay. other stuff. Okay, here's what you do. Still make fentanyl, but label it something else. Yeah, uh, that's See, and that's the other problem, because a lot of people get something that is labeled, some other opi- opioids, mm-hmm. that's laced with fentanyl. And they which, die. Yeah, and they die. That's the dangerous part about it. Why they would want to kill their customers is, is, is beyond me. Um, I, I thought the same thing, and I read uh, an article that said they look at that as the cost of doing business, that even though they kill their customers, there are more customers. Mm. You know, in business school, they would call that Stupid? stupidity. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> 208-336-3700-pound-670 on your Verizon wires. If you want to talk more about this, we can talk more about it uh, after 9 o'clock. So if you want to uh, your email your thoughts, you can do that right now. Chris at KBOI.com and Mike at KBOI.com. Um, we'll take a break here. When we come back, don't forget, we have a chance for you to pick up your tickets to the Idaho Steelheads. Hockey season gets underway. Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. will be coming up right after Bronco Sports today. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. All right, Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question is brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, any and all real estate needs. Call 208-888-4128. Offices across the Treasure Valley into Sun Valley and Idaho Falls. Once again, any uh, help with real estate, just give them a call today. Tyler, you're going to get first crack at our question. We've got four tickets to the Idaho Steelheads. Are you a uh, hockey fan? Oh, big time, especially the Steelheads. All right. Well, then, uh, good luck to you here. Your question, even though it doesn't happen today, doctors once actually injected malaria on purpose into people. There's a specific reason, though, why they did this. Why did they do it? I believe it was used as an early treatment for uh, mental health issues, like psychiatric patients. Mm, no, that is not it. Good guess. Keep trying, Tyler. 208-336-3700. Johnny B. Not acceptable today. Hello? Doctors, though, once actually injected marilo- mar- marijuana, malaria into people <laughs> on purpose. Why was it? Uh, I'm treating a paralytic dementia and syphilis patients. Syphilis patients. That's what we were looking there for. We it was a treatment specifically for syphilis get this um they would give them malaria which if you get malaria you have a really high fever right that would kill the syphilis virus and then the doctor would have to treat you for malaria after it it got rid of syphilis um even though it worked 
there were times when people died yeah. from malaria after the malaria was injected. Well, we've lo- we've lost a few, but it was pretty good otherwise. The good news is when they died, they didn't have syphilis anymore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, congratulations, Johnny B. That was the specific answer. Treatment of syphilis. Uh, you've got yourself four tickets to the Idaho Steelheads game. Uh, hold on. Uh, we'll get some information from you. Don't worry. Hey, uh, Tyler. Uh, you're a big hockey fan. Stay tuned. All this week, we'll be giving away those tickets to the uh, hockey game. Hockey season gets underway. Don't forget, the Allen Americans are going to be in town this weekend at home for the Idaho Steelheads as they kick off the new season Friday and Saturday night. More chances all this week to uh, win your tickets. Hang on. We'll take a break. Uh, we've got news coming up at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, it's Bronco Tuesday, and we talk about the other sports at Boise State University. Uh, and this morning, we're talking about beach volleyball. Don't go away. This is Bronco Tuesday, where we discuss the Olympic sports at Boise State. Now, here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Beeler, on your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. It is 8.35, and yes, Bob Beeler is uh, with us once again. Tuesdays is when we talk about the other Olympic sports at Boise State University, and this week we are talking beach volleyball. Yeah, and they have an event coming up this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. It's the City of Trees Classic. Allison Voigt is in her sixth season with the program. Allison, looks like you've got some good weather ordered up, temperature in the 70s for your home event this fall. It's amazing. I know. It's, we're just so excited to have the great weather. Fall's always amazing here in Boise, so for sure taking advantage of that 70-degree weather. Why don't you tell us what we're going to see, who's going to play, and where people can come? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that have never gone to beach volleyball before. Yeah, so we're really excited. We're hosting the University of Utah and University of Oregon in a pairs tournament. So it'll be our three teams playing against each other where – Basically, it's going to be every pair playing throughout the day. So anytime anyone wants to come from 9 a.m. to about probably 5 p.m., we'll have Boise State playing against either University of Utah or Oregon. So we'll have pool play set up in the on Saturday and then a bracket play on Sunday with all those teams. We've heard from uh, some of the other coaches in the uh, other fall sports uh, outside of uh, football, for instance, and they've had some amazing uh, fan participation, some big crowds. Uh, what are the crowds like uh, when it comes to beach volleyball? Weather for sure helps those crowd numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, no, it's actually been amazing because our setup, we have a lot of grass and people are able to put their chairs up and blankets and bring some stuff into our facility. And honestly, it's been amazing. The last couple of years, we've had great weather where we've had a lot of fan support. And it's just a really fun and relaxing sport to watch. And so a lot of people are getting into beach volleyball recently, and they just really like the atmosphere. It's just a lot of good play. It's fast-paced, but also not a bad thing to be out in the sun watching a sport that's so fun to watch. How long did uh, beach volleyball coaches or those in charge have to lobby before the NCAA allowed a fall season? That is a great question. So I believe it took about... Four years, if I can remember correctly. I believe the first year was 2012. Of ABCA kind of hosted their own little like tournament with teams that had beach volleyball. Only, I would say, eight teams that had it across the country. So they started lobbying, and I believe it took a couple years after that where NCAA adopted the sport. So what do you want to get out of the fall, and how is it different than the spring season where now you're in the Southland Conference where you play for keeps and you try to win a championship? 
Yeah, so how we approach fall season, it's all about just growth. We want to get better every single day leading up to the spring season. Um, we always tell our girls that, hey, it's not about when the loss is out, just about getting better as a player during the fall season. So we usually mix up different partnerships throughout the fall season, playing someone different every time we have like a tournament. And so it's all about just that growth mindset, getting better at those little things that we want to make sure we feel better going into the spring season, especially our best part is making sure we're playing at the best at the end of April, where that's our conference championship. Take us a little bit through for those people who have never uh, watched beach volleyball, seen it on TV, or you know even gone out to a, a Boise State match. Uh, what what are some of the things if fans were going to come out? What do you look for? What are some of the things that go into strategery when it comes to uh, beach mm-hmm. volleyball? Yeah, so it's two people on um, the court. I know some people know there might be six like with indoor, but there's only two people on the court. There are different positions, so we have blockers we have defenders we have split where they do both with a partner and so when you look at beach volleyball it's all about just trying to beat the other team strategically where they set up different defenses to make sure you don't see kind of where the open sand is specifically and so you just have to kind of play cat and mouse with the other team of it might not be as much power like indoor volleyball but it's all about placement and being able to run down balls in the sand with it's just you and another person so it's really exciting just having just two people on the court and just trying to outsmart the other team of making different types of defenses of hey they don't know where the open sand is let's make sure they don't and then kind of going back and forth you uh participated in a tournament earlier this season in seattle Mm -hmm. and of course a couple of the the two teams that you're playing this weekend were at that tournament what was the competition like up there it was amazing it was so fun to play against those teams uh we played on alki beach which is beautiful in seattle washington and it was great weather so that's always a plus um so we played against university of arizona university of washington oregon utah and so the the play was just amazing to see and just seeing how many teams have been training and being able to play against a different team is always nice. And so now that we have the opportunity to play against Oregon and Utah again, I just keep getting better each week that we play. That's the main goal. We're visiting with Allison Voigt. She is in her sixth season as the head coach of the beach volleyball team at Boise State. Coming up the first weekend in November, you're going to be able to send one pair to Huntsville for a national championship. Tell us a little bit about that, how you guys got to get a pair in and maybe more importantly, how do you decide what pair you're going to send? No, that's, it's an amazing opportunity to have a pair go to the national championship for the pairs side of the fall season. And so how we got a bid was by how we finished this year, or last, sorry, excuse me, last year in the rankings. So we were a top 25 team, and they usually give at least one bid uh, to the teams that finished really well in the national uh, championship. And so we were able to earn that bid. And so when we look at who to send, we always look at kind of more the chemistry of the players of who plays well together, but also who was training in the summer, who's ready to go in the fall, who's been playing well. And so that's kind of how we decide on who's going to be kind of our specific partnership that's playing well and that can represent our school well at this national championship in the beginning of November. And we're so excited. This is my first year going last year. I wasn't able to go due to, almost having a baby at that time, but um, I'm really excited to experience that uh, National Championship Pairs Tournament. 
Uh, take us a little through the makeup of your team. You have uh, 19 players on your team. Is, is this a, a good mix? Is it more veteran, young? What do you have? So this is the biggest team we've ever had in our program, which is really exciting just to show the growth just in the sport of beach volleyball. And so we have a mixture. We have um, four seniors. We have one grad transfer, and we have two juniors. So we have a lot of experience for sure, but we also have a lot of young talent. We have seven sophomores, and we have five freshmen, which is amazing. And so we're just really excited. We just have a good mixture in our, on our team, a lot of different – we have a lot of blockers, we have a split, we have defenders. So we have a really good mix of what we have on our team this year, and I'm really excited how we – kind of finished hopefully at the end of April with our big goal and making that national championship. And where do you get your recruits? I mean, are there actual, you know, beach volleyball teams you recruit from uh, out of the high school ranks or does this come mainly from court volleyball? Yeah. So with uh, beach volleyball recruiting, there are a lot of clubs now around the country. And so there's a lot of tournaments during the summer and also throughout the spring where we go out and recruit um, people that play on these beach volleyball club teams. Um, Arizona, I believe, might be, and maybe California, actually have beach volleyball as a sport at their high schools, but more nowadays it's just club beach volleyball teams. So that's how we go out and recruit. And we have a lot of different people from different areas of the country, um, which is really exciting. just shows that everyone wants to get involved with this sport. Allison, as we finish up, we are going to hear from Kaylee Mejia next. Uh, she's one of your veteran players, one of your seniors. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, so Kaylee's uh, it's crazy to think that she's already a senior, but she is from the state of Colorado, and she comes to us. She's our good defender. She has a lot of experience, and she's been someone that we've relied on a lot. And she's a competitor, and she is a person that just leads by example. And I can't say enough great things for Kaylee, and I'm just really excited for her this year finishing her career well and hopefully i know her goal is of course making that national championship but she's been amazing for us as a leader by leading by example on the court and off the court and i can't say enough great things about her allison voigt head coach for beach volleyball boise state university thanks for taking a couple of minutes with us this morning and uh, continued success in your fall season thank you i really appreciate it now Back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk, KBOI. 847, it is Bronco Tuesday. Bob Beeler with us once again, and we are talking beach volleyball. And it's going on all day, Saturday and Sunday. Temperatures expected to be in the 70s, and uh, they're going to be hosting Oregon and Utah. That's a Boise State beach volleyball team, and we will meet one of the seniors right now, and that is Kaylee Mejia out of Castle Rock, Colorado. Kaylee, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. So Mike was asking Coach Voigt about how people get to play beach, beach volleyball. Are there a lot of high schools that offer it? What is your story to get to the sport uh, as far as to get to Boise State and also to actually get into the sport of beach volleyball? Yeah, so a lot of girls definitely start with indoor. At least I did because I'm from Colorado and beach volleyball, it's definitely growing there, but it, when I was younger, it was not very big. So I started with clubs probably around 10 or 11, played indoor most of my life, and then kind of transitioned into beach in the summer about four, five years ago. And I just loved it and kind of started looking at schools for it and found Boise State and fell in love with the school and the weather conditions are a lot like Colorado, so I'm pretty used to the cold, which some girls are not, but 
it was great. I loved it. And yeah, kind of fell in love through beach volleyball through indoor. All right. Let, let's talk a little bit about the uh, cold. Um, out of all mm-hmm. the sports that, uh, you know, teams play, um, your sport gets affected by cold because like this weekend, you're going to see temperatures in the eighties where going forward, you could see a day where temperatures don't get out of the thirties or maybe low forties and you're going to have to bundle up a little bit. How much of a difference would it be from this weekend to when you see temperatures dropping down into the low forties? Yeah, I definitely have to wear a lot of layers for sure. Um, but I think it's a great way to prepare us and just make us tougher than the other teams. Um, sometimes in practice it might not seem like that, but it definitely gives us an advantage when we're playing schools like Arizona or <laughs> California schools that really aren't used to that cold. Um, but it definitely can have effect on your hands and your feet probably <laughs> kind of get numb. But um, you just have to work around it and play with layers and gloves and hats and all that good stuff. Tell us about your, your partner. Uh, do you uh, have your own strengths, both of you, and, and possibly weaknesses? Yeah, for sure. Um, so right now we're kind of switching up partners because we have a lot of new girls on the team. So we're trying to see what chemistry works between everyone. Um, but I played with Ellie last year, and she was awesome. She was a full-time blocker, and I was the defender. And we definitely have different strengths and weaknesses, and other teams kind of figure that out with strategy. But I think just being able to support your teammate and always being positive and helping their weaknesses almost and and building them up in that area is always a great thing to do so you have about 19 players on the team from what what coach was Mm -hmm. saying if you get different players let's say you haven't played with with somebody before what kind of conversations do you have with them about how you're going to attack a match and then if you're playing all day you're going to get people probably you don't even know who they are so how do you how do you go about trying to strategize against maybe an opponent you haven't seen before yeah, um, so strategy is a huge thing with beach volleyball. Um, it's great to have a coach on the sideline. Usually before the game, we kind of scout them in warm-ups and see what their strengths and weaknesses are, um, and our coaches kind of help with that too. But it kind of is a huge adjustment where you have to adjust in the game. You can't really adjust before. So kind of just having strategy of, oh, this isn't working. Let's switch it up here in this area as the game progresses is a huge thing. Um, so, yeah, and then playing with different people, once again, just adjusting to them. Sometimes the sets are different or they block a certain way or they pass a certain way. So really adjusting to your certain partner's needs is essential and just kind of going with the flow for sure. So let's talk uh, a little bit about you personally. Um, how did you find yourself in, in Boise from Colorado? How did you get recruited? How did you uh, end up making the decision to play here for Boise State? Yeah, so I was looking at a lot of indoor schools because that was kind of where I was most geared to go towards. Um, But I was not really looking at Boise State at all. Um, But when I found out they had beach volleyball, I was pretty interested. And I took a visit out here and just loved it. And my dad came as well, and he also said, wow, this is just such a great atmosphere, and it just fit really well with my personal wants and needs. Um, So, yeah. Kaylee, tell us what about yourself away from beach volleyball. What are you majoring in? You're a senior. What are your plans for the future post-Boise State? Uh, what else do we want to know about you? Um, so I'm majoring in psychology, and I'm not quite sure what I want to do after college, but I definitely want to go, I think, into 
sports psychology or some of the coaching aspects of it. Um, and I definitely want to keep playing and continue playing after college because the sport is just so awesome and great form of exercise and competition and definitely don't want to stop playing. So, uh, When you say you, you want to keep playing uh, after college, what are what are your goals? What does that look like? Are you talking Olympics, something like that, or actually turning pro? <laughs> um, yeah, pro would be awesome. Uh, there's a ton of tournaments in Colorado and great training opportunities. They actually just hosted an AVP event last year and i think they're going to keep hosting so that's pretty awesome and just getting together with a good group of girls and training with them um definitely want to keep that in my life because just the people you meet and the experiences you have are just so awesome and it's more than just winning or um playing pro like it's it's just playing the sport that you love and having fun with it and meeting good people Kaylee, thanks for uh, taking a little time with us this morning and telling us a little bit about yourself. Continued success uh, this year and in the spring, and who knows, maybe we'll talk to you again uh, before your career is up. Awesome. That sounds perfect. KBY News Time is 8.53. Now, back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. 8.56, Bob Beeler with us uh, once again. It is Bronco Tuesday. We talk uh, about beach volleyball uh, today. Now, the uh, BSU football team has a bye this week. Does that mean you get a bye, too? Does that mean you get to go on vacation to a sunny location somewhere, Bob, because <laughs> you don't I have to work? I guess I could this weekend, but uh, no, I'm not. I'm sticking around Boise this weekend. Uh, but there are plenty of other teams uh, playing. As we mentioned, the beach volleyball team all day Saturday and Sunday at the courts. They're across from the Lincoln Garage, mm-hmm. in case somebody wants to know that. And the weather, uh, I cannot reiterate, for the middle of October, being in the 80s is amazing. Ooh. Uh, soccer team's going to have a game Thursday night under the lights at 7 against Nevada. Coach Jim Thomas is going to try to become the all-time winningest soccer coach at Boise State. He's going for win number 112 in his career. Guessing that's going to be a huge crowd. And then volleyball is going to be at San Diego State on Thursday and then a home match at noon on Saturday against UNLV. All right, no coaches show this week because there is no game. Correct. However, and they have announced the time for the game against Wyoming. And it's a great time, 3.30 in the afternoon. Hopefully we get good weather. <laughs> you. I, I was time. thrilled. Oh, I was thrilled. Especially after the uh, 7.55 kickoff. <laughs> you it don't have, have to get up to early. Eight. You don't have to go to bed no. super late. Um, no, and I can even go to dinner after the game. So three cheers for 3.30. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Bob, thanks again for uh, being with us. Look forward to talking to you uh, next Monday as we start to get ready uh, for Wyoming. KBOI News Time is 8.57. Phone lines are open at 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Uh, 2,000 U.S. troops have been told to prepare for deployment in response to uh, Israeli-Hamas war. We'll talk about that when we come back after Top of the Hour News. Download the KBOI radio app for free for your Android or Apple device. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. As Israel continues airstrikes in Gaza in preparation for a ground invasion, the U.S. has been positioning more military assets in the region as a way to deter other bad actors from entering the conflict. ABC's Martha Raddatz says the Defense Department has its eyes on Hezbollah along Israel's northern border with Lebanon. 2,000 U.S. troops now on alert for possible deployment to the Middle East to provide intelligence and medical support if needed. And a second U.S. aircraft carrier and its warships 
now set to join a carrier strike group already in the Mediterranean. President Biden will be visiting Israel tomorrow discussing Hamas's attack, including the nearly 200 hostages taken. We'd like to see the hostages released right now, and they ought to be. Hamas just let everybody go, but we're working hard to secure their release. Um, uh, honestly, it's as soon as possible is, is the time frame that we're, uh, that we're focused on. National Security Spokesman John Kirby with continuing coverage Israel-Hamas war. Sherry Preston, ABC News. 2,000 U.S. troops put on prepare to deploy orders for possible support to Israel. According to a defense official, the, the these who received the orders were already on a 96-hour prepare to deploy status. That has now today been shortened to 24 hours. So the 2,000 people that are going to be deployed, or I, I guess I should say could be deployed, um, we won't know until they actually are deployed, uh, have already been told that they will be leaving their loved ones and headed to places in the Mideast. Not necessarily Israel. The Defense Department has already deployed, as mentioned there, the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group to the eastern Mediterranean Sea, where it will join the USS Gerald R. Ford in a show of support for Israel. Those being deployed would include service members with a variety of capabilities and specialties, including providing medical support and Handling explosives. There is a job in the military that I don't think that I would want to volunteer for. Let me see. Let me see how uh, how, how stable are your hands. You're going to go uh, start <laughs> handling uh, explosives. What was the movie? Not Zero Dark Thirty. The other one. Uh, oh, the. Uh, ah, can't even think of the name. The Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there's not a job I would want. Mm-hmm. Um. Hamas, which rules Gaza, carried out the worst terrorist strike, as you know, in Israel last week. The assault included targeting children and taking hostages. Since then, more than 2,800 people have been killed. 10,859, this is as of last night, have been injured in Gaza. In Israel, 1,400 people have been killed. 3,900 have been wounded. John Kirby uh, yesterday had some interesting questions in the uh, press conference to answer. Take a listen. Okay, thank you very much, Corrine, and, and thank you, Admiral. Two questions on the Mideast crisis. 27 Americans killed is a very large number. That is larger than the number of Americans who were killed by terrorists during our withdrawal from Afghanistan, larger than the number of Americans killed at the USS Cole, and larger than the number of Americans killed at Benghazi or beheaded by ISIS. And I believe it's accurate to say that after all of those events, direct U.S. military action was ordered by the Commander-in-Chief. 27 Americans killed. Why is it the posture of the Biden administration to just let Israel handle this job, in essence, um, instead of U.S. forces going in and getting the guys that killed our people? James, we will do, as Jake said, everything we can to get uh, those American hostages home with their families. We recognize that they are not the only people being held hostage. Other nationalities are included in that group. We don't have enough information right now to make a policy decision about how to do it. So I can appreciate the sense of urgency in your question. Believe me, we share it. But we aren't going to act one way or another until we have enough information to act upon. And then on the hostages issue, um, you have suggested that it's a very small number of hostages, American hostages, being held in Gaza. 
uh, less than a handful. And I assume that that, is, that assessment is still operative. Um, has there been any discussion uh, amongst President Biden and his aides about how to avoid the fate of Jimmy Carter in this situation, where we actually saw the President of the United States and his administration become, in effect, hostages themselves to a foreign terrorist organization? With all the respect that President Biden has for President Carter, I can assure you that he is not focusing uh, on history here, uh, even domestic history. He's focusing on what's going on now and making sure that we are doing everything we can to support Israel and look after our national security interests in this moment, because this is not 1979. It's 2023, and Hamas is an organization that has existed for many years with the support of Iran. We've got enough challenges just dealing with this that we're focused on that and that alone. Thank you. I found that interesting because you've heard the saying, those who don't follow history are doomed to repeat it uh, and have them saying... Those who don't study it, yeah. Yeah, uh, we're, we're not looking at history right now because the first thing I, I heard, and I thought that was a great question, by the way, the first thing I thought about was the hostages in the Jimmy Carter administration mm-hmm. and, and how long that went on and how bad that was. And it's interesting, um, John Kirby, Assistant to Secretary of Defense, once again stating, we are not looking at history, we're looking forward. And it's like, mm, same region, different different people granted, but maybe, maybe not. Or Iran could be involved in this too. We, we haven't seen a direct link according to the uh, government, but as you've heard John Kirby say before, we know for a fact, and this is his words, that they are complicit well, I, in with what's happening. I think Kirby was just trying to say that as far as Biden's concerned, this really isn't all about his legacy. It's got nothing to do with it. He's trying to figure out what to do on a daily basis. I hope that's what he's meaning. He's not looking, you know, not looking at the past to know what could possibly happen here. But I thought those were very good questions uh, yesterday that that reporter uh, had asked about what's going on. Um, this is this is the uh, part where we started talking about this last week. I want to get your input on this this morning at 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. This is boots on the ground. Now, granted, we're not sending fighters in to fight. However, these 2,000 troops don't go in unarmed. If they get into a firefight, they're fighting. They're going to be doing whatever it takes to save their own lives, right? One would assume, yeah. So this this is where uh, I start to worry. When we get our own U.S. personnel and we have two carrier groups that are, are stationed there right now, you know, what happens? You get a uh, drone attack on one of our carriers. You get a certain amount of our military personnel that are there as advisors, as medical people, as you mentioned, explosive experts, get attacked by Hamas and are killed or injured or taken hostage. Does that escalate this war? Do do we, and this is just an opinion from you right now, and this is what I'm looking for, do we, as America, then have a duty to send troops in then um, 
not necessarily as retaliation. Do you, do you consider it boots on the ground if they simply send them to a nearby country in case? If they're in a nearby country, if all of them are in a nearby country, no. Because but, I, I think what they're going, they're going there for to begin with. They will probably be in Jordan or something. Most, and, most of them yeah. will be, yes. And the, uh, it's, they will be training some Israelis, more than likely training them to use equipment that they're bringing them. There are some that is going that are going to be stationed though in Israel, and that's that's where I worry about. And, and once again, uh, like I, I mentioned too, the carrier strike group. If they if you get a rogue drone attack, does that escalate it? Yeah. And I don't. Who knows? Does I I would say Hamas doesn't want to escalate, but maybe they do. Maybe they do want to get the United States. In, for just PR purposes. My guess is after that, uh, they said they planned this for two years. Why would Hamas even do what they did if they didn't think they could win ultimately? Yeah. So they probably have a plan. Well, we we know we know what their goal is. We may not know their specific mm-hmm. plan, but their goal is to wipe out all the Jews. Same goal as they've always had. As they've always had for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years to make it so that Israel no longer exists. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless if you want to uh, weigh in and what your thoughts are uh, on that news story that uh, just came out uh, yesterday. By the way, President Biden also due uh, to head to Jordan tomorrow, correct? Or to uh, Israel tomorrow, um, is uh, supposed to visit, supposed to talk to uh, Netanyahu. That will be uh, underway tomorrow. We don't know a lot of specifics because, uh, of course, when your president goes to a hot war zone, uh, you don't want to give a lot of specifics. It was kind of interesting the way they announced it. It was uh, Lincoln, you know, who was in Israel. Right now, yeah. It was kind of like, oh, by the way, the president will be here in a couple of days. The the weird part is uh, Lincoln yesterday had to uh, take cover in a uh, bomb shelter for Mm -hmm. about five minutes um, because of uh, the uh, air raid sirens. Going off Seems to be the current Israeli experience. Yeah. 208 336 pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to weigh in, you can also email us, chris at kboi.com and mike at kboi.com. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's a war. In war, you don't have 100% that you would know what happened. You send, by the way, it is planned campaign, air bombardment of every target that belongs to Hamas. Then a siege, a siege that will make sure that we are not giving fuel and electricity to our murderers. It is interesting. Um, the prediction was that last weekend they were um, going to be entering Gaza in uh, the ground part of the war instead of just uh, sending in missiles. However, that hasn't happened as of yet. A lot of people are wondering, was that, you know, kind of misdirection? Um, tell, because they told everybody in the, the southern part of uh, Palestine to move to the northern part because it was going to mm-hmm. be um, extensively bombed. Well, and the and uh, they, the thought was that they were also going to be entering in uh, with ground forces. The IDF, which just means Israel Defense Forces, uh, they are lining up at the Gaza border. They're bringing in equipment, personnel, everything, and basically they're they're lining up for 
an, an attack that they say will be an integrated and coordinated attack from the air, sea, and land. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. It hasn't happened yet because they thought that that was going to happen last, you know, Friday, Saturday. Here we are on Tuesday, still amassed at the border. Susan in Caldwell, listening on 670 AM this morning. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Hi. I'm just having a thought about how we got in this pickle, and I'm thinking about Israel's gun rules, and I never thought I'd be saying this, but Israel is one of the countries with mandatory military service, but their people who are in mandatory reserve units go home unarmed. Compare that to Switzerland and Finland with their histories. They have mandatory military service. Their reservists go home with their arms. They're ready to report armed for any problems. Finland has had that 80-year history being on the Russian-Soviet-Russian border and the invasion they took. Switzerland has their centuries of whatever Switzerland does. Why weren't the Israelis armed at home? I heard one interview on the BBC where a father in a kibbutz down there had an arm, had some kind of weapon and protected his family in their house, and the terrorists left them alone. The slaughter would not have been so bad if these reservists had their weapons at home with them. You know what I'm saying? In, in Israel. Yeah. In Israel. It would not have helped the musical you know, festival, but it would help the kibbutz farmers if they were home with their weapons because they're all veterans. Yeah, in Israel, you can own a pistol, but I think you can only have like 50 bullets in your house. Yeah, but, you know, reservists in in Finland, uh, Switzerland, they're there with their long arms, their automatic rifles, you know, so they can report to their positions if called up, you know, for a situation. I don't understand why this was not the case in Israel, and I'm kind of blaming them for getting us into this position where our military are going to be put on the line for the slaughter, which was so bad. It didn't have to be that bad. It is an interesting take. Thank you. Thank you for the uh, phone call, Susan. It's, it's probably working for the Swiss. The last time they were attacked was <laughs> 1798. Um, that, is, that is an interesting take. And I know that uh, the military, you know, after, which is a little too late, um, did start passing out weapons to civilians, just like they did in uh, Ukraine. Police departments started passing out uh, weapons to uh, anybody in Ukraine who mm-hmm. uh, wanted them for free, and I know that happened in uh, Israel. But I, I, I wonder if that would have stopped some of the horrific stories that we heard if if people were armed. Hard to say. Hard to say, but it is a good question to ask. Two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy on your Verizon wireless. Uh, Corey writes in Mike at kby dot com and an email says Biden left Americans behind to be slaughtered in Afghanistan. I won't be surprised if Biden leaves Americans behind in Gaza to be slaughtered as well. Have any other previous presidents left Americans in foreign countries to be slaughtered? That's from uh, Corey. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. If you want to weigh in, you can do that. Need to take a break. News is uh, coming up here next. Also wanted to get to before the uh, end today, because this is uh, kind of an interesting thing on a subject we talked about last week, and that is the death sentence to Idaho inmate Thomas Creech. He's due to be executed in December, um, barring any 
particular stays of execution, which they are still trying to go through the court process to do. But there yeah. is enough injection medicine now to put him to death. Now, would this be for the, the crime he committed 49 years ago or 41 years ago? Whatever the original <laughs> death um, execution certificate said. Right. However, there is some new information, and I find this very interesting that we're going to share, uh, because the judge who originally um, sentenced Creech to death now says Creech shouldn't die. Kind of an interesting uh, new development in this case. Uh, we'll tell you about that when we come back next. <laughs> Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. They will not be combat troops. Uh, they will be deployed somewhere in the Middle East to a base not here in Israel. And they really are just support troops. If there's medical help needed, uh, if there's intelligence help needed, those troops, if in fact they are deployed, will help them with that. Because the, the U.S. is worried about Iran right now. The initial intelligence said that Iran wanted to stay out. But a U.S. official I spoke to said they are seeing worrisome signs. If you want to continue to uh, weigh in on your thoughts, 2,000 U.S. Tro- troops have been told to be ready to deploy, basically at a moment's notice, 24 hours. That's uh, fairly quick. Um, that could happen uh, basically sometime within the next day or so. Victoria writes in and says Biden is going to Israel to try and stop further carnage. It would seem everyone who cares about the lives of the people of Israel and the people of Gaza and all the hostages should support that. I haven't heard anybody say that he shouldn't go or that it's dumb to go. I have no problem with him. I, I guess. I, I, I guess maybe I, think, I didn't I think like that anybody was, would have a problem with him going try to negotiate. I felt like by Biden is going to Israel, she was talking about not only his trip but also the fact that two thousand troops are going to be deployed to the area. In other words, like Biden's going to Israel. I wonder if uh, Biden going to Israel. If those 2,000 troops get sent at the same time Biden does, as possibility some protection. Well, you know, it's like you were saying earlier, the, uh, the Israelis uh, basically have acted like, okay, we're going into Gaza, but we're not going to do it until after Biden goes yeah. home. Which might be a good idea, right? Not to escalate things before President of the United States comes. If you want to continue to weigh in, phone lines are open, 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-5264. toll-free from wherever you might be listening. Keep in mind, you can also email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com, text us, same as their main number. So we're going to break, uh, going to tell you the latest update on the Idaho inmate due to be killed, executed in December Thomas Crete, 73 years old, has been on death row since 1983 for the beating death of fellow inmate David Jensen in 1981. A judge signed his death warrant last Thursday, set his execution date for November 8th. Judge Newhouse, the original judge in the case that decided that Thomas Creech should be put to death, now believes that a sentence of life in prison without parole would be adequate punishment. In a request for clemency, attorneys for the man on Idaho's death row said that his original sentencing judge, Judge Newhouse, now believes that he should not be executed. 
Now, keep in mind, this is the judge, Judge Robert Newhouse, has repeatedly sentenced Creech to death over the years for Jensen's killings, even after appeals. But in the petition for a clemency hearing, Newhouse has changed his stance on the case. Newhouse said that, quoting here, no purpose would be served by executing him now after he has spent more than 40 years on death row with the threat of execution hanging over him. Unquote. Jess says, how is it possible that the Department of Corrections has now been able to obtain the drugs needed to execute Thomas Creech? Uh, They spent who knows how much money researching the use of a firing squad because no drugs existed. Who is investigating this? Keep in mind, even though the Idaho legislature passed a new law that we could use firing squads to, as a, as a, a backup to lethal injections, that still has not gone through the court process. There is appeals going on right now, so that isn't officially approved from what I understand in the state of Idaho. So that, number one, we don't have the facilities to do that. Because facilities would have to be built, mm-hmm. and I believe they are waiting for the court decision to be handed down on whether or not it is constitutionally legal to kill somebody by firing squad in the state of Idaho. Because, once again, apparently they are calling that cruel and unusual punishment, and that's the reason why they have filed uh, the appeal. Apparently, despite all the uh, French Revolution movies we've seen and things like that, you need more than just a courtyard and a brick wall. Yes. Uh, Walt says, uh, Creech is deeply remorseful and has a nearly spotless prison record for 30 years. He is the most stable and respectful person on death row. He's 73 and poses no threat in prison. And who wrote that? Walt. Walt, you're not wrong. Um. Some of the former guards and people that have been involved in the uh, prison life over the past 40 years have said as much in the petition for clemency. Uh, Creech's attorney argued that he is a changed man. Tom Creech committed an unforgivable, terrible act 42 years ago and killed David Jensen, but the Tom Creech of 2023 is not the Tom Creech of 1981. Today, Tom is profoundly remorseful, 73-year-old man with many years of spotless behavior who spends his time improving the lives of prison staff with unprecedented demonstrations of respect and compassion. Former prison staff who have worked with Creech also vouched the change in Creech's behavior. Former uh, Director of Nursing and Health Services Administrator at IMSI, Kathy Nico wrote that Creech got a gang leader to stop mistreating one of the employees and even persuaded the other inmate to apologize, according to the petition. Miss Nico goes as far as to say that if there had ever been a riot at the prison, Creech's cell would be the first one I would have run to, for it would have been the safest place for her to be, mm. unquote. But, and, and again, though, I mean, uh, it takes so long at least in Idaho, to execute someone that quite often, I mean, it, you know, the actual crime, the first one they committed is just a distant memory, to yeah. people, even probably to them at some point. Now, keep in mind, the Commission of Pardons and Parole is not required to grant Creech a clemency hearing. And if it were to grant a clemency hearing and ultimately support changing his sentence before the death is carried out on December 8th, 
They don't get the final decision either. They make recommendations. Governor Little holds the final authority whether or not to dismiss the commission's recommendation or not. This one's not uh, signed, but it says essentially the same sort of thing. Uh, Creech has been nothing but a positive influence to younger prisoners around him, encouraging them to not go down the same path he did. After 40 years of being on death row, there is no reason that Idaho needs to kill this elderly man who poses no threat to society. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's been on, he's 73, I guess he's been on death row since he was 32. The mm-hmm. original crime was in 1974, which was um, eight years before the second one, which was committed in prison. For those of you who believe in capital punishment, an eye for an eye, what are your thoughts? 40 years later, um, Judge Newsom once again uh, saying, this is his quote, since there is no risk in commuting Mr. Keats' death, Creech's death sentence to life in prison without possibility of parole, just, this would just be an act of vengeance. Well, what's, what's the death penalty for? Isn't, isn't the death penalty for, (laughs) isn't it an eye for, kind of an eye for an eye for lack of a better term, but yeah. Well, supposedly, I think the death penalty is supposed to, you know, remove from the flock those who are making the flock weaker by committing crimes and not agreeing to the uh, social contracts that we all have with each other just as normal human beings. But, again, he's been uh, out of it for 40 years already. It seems like he has been away from society that whole time. If he truly is, as many people are claiming, you've got a judge, you've had former workers at the uh, prison, say he's a completely different man than he was, than the man who entered prison all those years ago, who uh, violently killed another person. Does he deserve a a second chance? Because Now, granted, I'm not talking about a second chance to get out of prison, because he is never getting out of prison. This would just be a second chance to live the rest of his natural-born life in prison, supported by taxpayers. Because that ultimately is also what happens. He is 73, but who knows how long he could end up being alive. He still gets, you know, Mm -hmm. free medical. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. As I mentioned, um, probably the uh, most unique thing that I saw is the judge who has sentenced him to death numerous times already has now yeah. officially changed his mind. Lindsay says, is it just me or is putting someone to death 40 years after the fact almost silly? Either do it within 10 years or commute the sentence. I mean, there's Prob- a problem is you can't. I mean, a, there's, well, that's true. There's, you, a, there's a certain... Uh, you would have to change laws and I don't know. In, in Texas, that, you though. could... I mean, you know, there's a certain amount of truth to that, though. Somebody commits a crime, and 40 years later, yeah, you deal with it. I don't, I don't like it either. Now, in Texas, if you commit particularly heinous crimes, you don't get you're, that 40 years. Be, you move right to the front of the line. You'll be lucky if you get 40 months in Texas. Yeah. Ty and Boise listening on 93.1 FM. Uh, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning. Yeah, uh, one thing is, they're not called guards. They're correctional officers. They are post-certified. 
guard don't exist anymore. Also, Mr. Creech lured the guy into the cage and then killed him. Got him pinned between the wires. But true, he may have changed. But does that make does that make a difference though? Um, the, uh, the, the, the crime, him? yeah, the crime, point, the but... crime still happened. Does it make a difference yeah, though? Yeah. Since the crime happened, now he's a changed man and he's a great human being. Yeah, just like I know a few others that came to Christ and as soon as they got out, they robbed seven banks. But you know, maybe they had a bad day. Uh, I've been doing it for thirty-four years. Um, when you say you've been doing it for 40, 34 years, uh, are you talking about you've worked within the prison system? That is correct, plus uh, uh, other departments that when I wasn't in the jail or in prison. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you, since you've been involved in it in 34 years, uh, have you ever overseen Thomas Creech? Were you on? Yes, I have. You, you were on death row. All right. So how how long has it been since uh, you have been a correction officer? Uh, four years. So four years ago. Were, were you on death row then? Uh, yes. Has Thomas Creech... We get, we get asked you because... Has changed. You, you, you get, you, you're personally involved in this at, at some point. Um, ha, have you seen the change in Thomas Creech that everybody else claims that they've seen? At times, yes. At times, yes, but not all the time? Yeah, people, I mean, bad days, good days, but yeah... After a while, at his age, yeah, he has shuffled the cards and got down, you know, where he's not like he was before. How do you and feel? When you age and spend that long, you know, you do change. How do you feel in general about the death penalty? Uh, I think it's warranted in times. Um, we did have the firing squad. I was on the team at one time. Or hanging and then lethal injection. But we used to have sandbag trailer and... There was uh, four of us were on the team. In your personal opinion, this is just your personal opinion now. Um, you're not a, no longer a corrections officer. In your personal opinion, does Thomas Creech, at this point in his life, deserve clemency? To be honest, I don't know. Ed, four years is a long time. All right, thank you for the call. Yeah, appreciate uh, you sharing your thoughts uh, this morning and your experiences. You also have to look at, you know, as he has gotten older, we all get to the closer to that final judgment, right? Well, yeah. And I don't know whether he believes in God or not, but a lot of people who don't even believe in God at some point go, well, you know, just in case. Mm -hmm. And you wonder if that has anything to do with it. It's like, hey, I... Either I'm going to be put to death because the state has ordered that, or one way or the other, I'm, I'm I don't have that much time left on the earth anyway. Does that go into how you start to change? Do you do you think the average religious person would tell you that uh, having the attitude, uh, well, I don't really believe, but just in case, is going to fool God? I don't I don't think they're doing it to fool God. I think that maybe they do it to believe they they believe. Hey, just in case, I'm. Yeah. I'm going to start changing I've de- my I've life. I've decided after 75 years yeah. to go along to get along. But, I mean, you, you look at Thomas Creech. He apparently is a completely different person than he was, you know, a decade or two ago. 
So in in that case, it really was a correctional facility yeah. he was in. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Got to take a break here. Uh, one more segment on the way. You want to weigh in. It's your final chance. Get 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 9.52, Craig uh, writes us in on email, mike at kboi.com. Ask what Creech's victims' families have to say. This is his sentence. It's the state's fault. It hasn't happened in 40 years. I, I do like the fact that, you know, you have all these people say he needs clemency. The judge, people that are, have watched over him in the prison system, um, maybe that is the final final one before you say, all right, I, I, you know, with a parole board saying, all right, clemency might be okay here in this case. If the victim's family say, yes, I agree. Maybe that's the the one last hurdle that somebody would have to clear is if the family is okay with it. If they're not, then... Assuming that they're around, you know, 40 and 50 years ago. Yeah. Bob in Nampa, uh, listening on 670 AM. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Morning, guys. Well, my opinion on this is I don't care. It's supposedly Creech has turned into a fine human being over the 30 years that he's had that the people he killed didn't. Uh, He had his choice. They didn't. And he should have been dead 30 years ago. Uh, I'll save my sympathy for the victims. These people that commit these crimes and then, oh, I've found God or whatever their thing is, I should be you know, given clemency. No. You know, again, he should have been executed long, long ago. Man, you're, and, you're not a very forgiving person, Bob. <laughs> I'm a very forgiving person for somebody who deserves it. He doesn't. He had his choice. He killed, what, somebody outside of prison. He killed one, at least one person since he'd been in prison. He's had, you know, he made his choices. And uh, I, I just, I, he shouldn't have lived as long as he has. Thank you for the call, Bob. Thank you for the input. Appreciate it. Chuck, listening uh, somewhere around the valley this morning at 670 a.m. Um, you wanted to weigh in on the subject we were talking about earlier this hour. Um, you know, the uh, Israel war going on. Um, go ahead. Yep. What, did, what did you want to weigh in with? Yeah, this is Chuck in Round Valley, not the val- that valley. So I'm oh, a little in Round more. Valley, not around the valley. Okay, got it. <laughs> it's a Round Valley. <laughs> anyway, I'm just work. I'm, I'm from Legal, but I'm working up here. Anyway, the, the thing I wanted to kind of add something to the Israeli thing was that those people used to be armed, the residents, to the teeth. In the 70s and 80s, I mean, businessmen carried Uzis on the buses in their briefcases. That was common knowledge. And it's like, I don't know, I'm 72. I guess everybody forgets everything. But that was common for about 20 years, and they must have got away from it. Jack, thank you for the uh, call. Just up on time here, but appreciate the call there. That's it for today. We are done. We'll be back tomorrow.